0: Good morning, good morning, good morning. How are you, church family? <clears throat> Online, it's good to have you with us this morning. Listen, uh, I, I'm not supposed to be up here. I'm not on the list. But it's okay. I just want to say happy anniversary to my son and his, and his lovely wife, Ryan and Desiree, 23 years today. It's awesome. And my grand, their, their oldest son our grandson, Dominic, who's somewhere in the the room. It's his birthday today. And uh, I think he's 17, is that right? Right, Dom? Great. And he's sitting next to two of our grandchildren, Amy's children. Uh, Would you please stand, Samuel and Bella? Visiting from the great state of Alabama. Nice to have them here in the house. It's so good to have them with us. God bless. That's it.
1: Well, good morning. It is a good one. So I don't know if you noticed this morning, we have the declarations printed out for you guys on the cards. We put it on your seats. Thank you, Joe, so much for printing these off for us so you guys can take those home, pray them over your family and your household and the world around you and live them. That's the most important part, that you actually live them, right? I can declare all day long how much I love my wife, but if I actually don't do it or live it, it doesn't matter. So declare it and live it, right? Well, you didn't like that too much, so just ask the Holy Spirit. No, it's so, what a great morning so far. It is, and it's my great privilege to introduce our friends this morning. Patrick, thank you so much for coming, and he he'll be uh, leading worship tonight with us. So we can't wait for that. He's an amazing worship leader, but more than that, he's just an amazing person. So thank you so much for coming and being with us, and coming. You know, leaving your baby and wife at home is that's a big deal. So thank you. We love having you here. And then there's Michael. (laughs) The man, the myth, the legend is with us, the prophet, but more importantly, our friend is here this morning. So would you stand and welcome our friend, Michael Dalton.
2: Are you glad to be in the house of God? Are you glad to be alive? It's good to know God in this hour. I don't know how people survive who don't know him. No, that should have gone over better. So some of y'all are still on the, you know, fence about him. So the more you walk with God, the more convinced you are of him. It's one thing to experience God. It's another thing to be convinced. We're in an hour where we must be convinced of him. They tell me that as I was growing up, my great-grandmother had a saying. She said, I'd rather have a knowing than a notion. Some of the old folks know what that means. A knowing is, I think he's real. I've experienced something about him, but a notion is, well, it might be. It could be. But I know in my knower. Down on the inside of me, I know he's real. I know he's a healer. I know he's a deliverer. I know he's a blesser. I know he's faithful. I know he's good. When the whole world lies, God still speaks truth. (laughs) When the whole world is crazy, God still makes sense. God still gives wisdom when everybody else is making up stuff. Just making up stuff. Just making up stuff. Just lying on God. Just you know, the Lord never said that. <laughs> I'm going to try to behave this morning. I'm just, I'm tired of folk lying on God, just making up stuff, just lying. Just ain't talked to God in 12 years, but you said the Lord said, okay. <laughs> God don't know your address, but he was in your house last night. Okay. <laughs> some of y'all look nervous (laughs) we have to make sure that we don't move into the mindset where we have to create something spectacular because we stop calling God special God is enough for us the presence of God the spirit of God the power of God the word of God is special enough that you should be satisfied by him alone When we stop being satisfied by God, we create experiences that have no validity in the word. Have no connection to the spirit and have no power to produce. And if everything that you have experienced in God does not produce the fruit of the spirit in your life and the nature of Christ in your family, what you have experienced was not from God. You can't be touched by Jesus and not change. You can't be kissed by heaven and look the same. You cannot have God dwelling in your house all the time and you not ever transform. There is a connection to the divine presence of God where you begin to change. So look at someone and say, have you changed? Some of y'all didn't even turn because you know they have not. You just know. You know. You live with them. you like, no, I know you ain't changed. I've been, I've been asking God for a decade, help this brother. Woo, this sister right here, Lord, I got to go home with her. I don't know what to do. <laughs> and the most difficult thing in the world is to be promised change. And not see it happen. The most frustrating thing about religion that should never exist in Christianity. Is that religion promises change. But never delivers. You can crawl on your knees and kiss the cross. And you felt the same when you got up. You'll go to some city for holy water and it didn't change you. You'll sacrifice to 30 different gods with 30 different faces and you're still broken on the inside. You make journey to a city somewhere and you feel as empty after the journey as you did before because religion does not produce change. It simply causes you to feel good intellectually that you completed an assignment. But Christ is the only one that from the moment you meet him, he brings a change on the inside that produces life that flows out of you. You cannot meet him and not be changed. Oh, how can you catch lightning in your chest and not start to sparkle? How can you have thunder in your belly and not roar? How can you have power on the inside and it not change you? The kingdom is in you. Woo! I'm trying to behave, Pastor Dave, Pastor Deborah. I'm trying to. I'm trying to just calm it down. Just,
1: I'm
2: trying. I'm trying. I'm trying to. Ryan right now, I'm working off that burrito. That's what I'm doing. I'm just working it out. Just, I got it right here, and it's still. It's just yes, and so. (laughs) And Desiree, I have to tell you that panacotta last night. My God in heaven. I'm not Catholic, but that's all I could do. I just Jesus, Father, bless your name. Just, woo, Lord, have mercy. Almost drove back to your house about three o'clock in the morning. To just find is there any more left? Is it? <laughs> oh Lord. All right. Some of y'all are like I'm waiting for the message. I'm to bless you. We'll get there. <laughs> open up your Bibles if you would. If you don't have them, go get them. No, open up your Bible. Matthew chapter 18. We're going to go over a verse that you already know, but this is wonderful. I thank God, the older I get, I thank God for places where I find friends. And I thank God for this house because I have found friends here. This is, this is family. This is friends. You go places to release the word of the Lord, and it's good. But then you have places where you connect and you go, that's my friends. These are my family. And so I just honor y'all. I just feel like I'm always seeing family whenever we reconnect. And it just blesses me. It's good to be here. It's good to be here. And, you know, I'm like a cat. You feed me a couple of times, I ain't never going away. I'm just... <laughs> You gonna have to put a sign up that says Dalton can't come back because he ate all our food. So <laughs> Matthew chapter 18, something very simple, but it's powerful. Look at verse three. And Jesus is talking and he said, verily, I say unto you, except you be converted and become as little children, you shall not enter into the kingdom of heaven. Whosoever, therefore, shall humble himself as this little child. Humble himself as this little child. The same is greatest in the kingdom of heaven. There's two great things you have to always understand. When Jesus is talking, he refers to two different ways of seeing. He says the kingdom of heaven, and he says the kingdom of God. Now, whenever the reference is the kingdom of heaven, God's referring or Jesus is referring to principles. Whenever he makes reference to the kingdom of God, he's referring to power. Ah. Whenever he talks about the kingdom of heaven, you'll always see there's a principle that he's unlocking in that verse. A principle. Humble yourself, you receive. Bless Increasing comes. Serve, you become great. So he's unlocking a principle. He's not using them just interchangeably as we've always thought, but he's talking about principles. So he's declaring heaven because it's a kingdom has principles. And the principles of heaven override the things of earth if you operate in the principles. So remember this, the power of God that has been locked inside of you is an unlocked and released by you connecting to heaven's principles. Principles matter. How we honor each other, how we treat each other, how we love each other, how we respect those that God has connected us to. Principles. Operating with humility. Serving without complaining. Being good to your enemies. Praying for people that mishandle you. Principles. Principles. I give even when I don't know where the next is coming from. Principle. I serve even when I'm weary. Principle. I'm good no matter if I understand how God will work it out. I'm going to be good to people. Principle. The principle unlocks the power that brings the breakthrough. So the reason in many times, in many places, we don't see the power of God show up or the answer that we're looking for is because we want the answer without the willingness to walk out the principle. If you do not commit to God's principle, you do not have right to God's power.
0: Ah!
2: If you do not commit to the principle, you have no right to the power. The principle principles are neither for you nor against you. They simply exist. The beauty of the principles of God, the principles that exist in nature, the principles or the laws in which he has designed something is God says, once I have created a thing, I am not going back to redesign it. This is how it works. If you understand how it works and agree with the process, then the principle will bless you. Is this helping anybody? So let's talk about this a little bit. What would be something as a similar principle or understanding the laws that are existent that have nothing to do with us, but they can produce for us? There's a simple thing. Seed time and harvest exist. The Bible says as long as the earth remains, so seed time and harvest shall remain. What does that mean? That means whether you are righteous or unrighteous, a good man or a wicked man, a man who worships or a man who cusses, one who believes in God or one who's never believed in God. If you are a farmer and you've got a piece of ground and you understand if I put the seed in the ground and I take care of the weeds and I let the water come down, eventually the seed will produce a harvest. So the principle is, I will bless anyone who operates with the knowledge of how I created it to produce. The sun shines on everybody. Rain falls for all mankind. But no matter if the sun shines and the rain comes, if you don't put a seed in the ground, you'll get nothing from it. Ah, rain only matters to those who have seed in the ground. (laughs) (laughs) So if you don't understand the principle, you can sit and die of hunger. Even though you are sitting on top of ground that is rich in content and able to produce. One seed on the ground you're sitting on would feed your family for the next 20 years. For the power in the seed is greater than the fruit on the tree. The principle is there's greater inside the seed than what's in the field. So what does all that mean? Well, we're getting there. Principle. If you understand the principle, God says, I will have to release what goes with the principle. So companies understood, most companies in America, most companies around the world understand that to get tax write-offs, They have a certain percentage of their proceeds that they have to give into, whether it's through taxation or whether it's to another 501c3 or they have to give it away to some community organization or it goes back to the government. But part of what they make, they release and it covers their taxes. They didn't come up with that they somehow understood the operation years ago because most of the businessmen in Western culture were raised with a Christian foundation. So they understood the principle of tithing. Ah! So there's now businesses that have no connection to the kingdom of God who are operating with tithing in a foundational model of their company that believers don't practice on a weekly basis so the company that's now worth a billion dollars they worked a principle while we were waiting for power ah uh, I'm waiting on God to give me a million dollars while an unbelieving company that's producing something unrighteous, that's corrupting the mindset of a generation. They give away 10 to 15% of what they produce to get it as a tax write-off. So God said, I didn't bless them and not bless you. The principle works for whoever works it. Uh. The principle works, the principle works. The principle works. In the kingdom of God, God says everything I've given you is connected to a principle. If you understand the principle, power will produce. It doesn't happen because you prayed for it. It doesn't just happen because you fasted. It doesn't just happen because you asked for it. It doesn't happen because you showed up. You got to work the principle. So look at somebody and say, "Are you working the principle. Ah, you got to work it. You got to work it. Are you working the principle? Uh, now, in the kingdom, in the house of God, as people of God, God, we're just laying foundation. God does not come back to explain what he's already told you to do. Woo! That's a Maka Zulu moment. I just need the Lord to speak to me about this. Not going to happen. I just need the Lord to send a word. Nope, nope, uh uh-uh. I just want an angel and two unicorns to come dancing through my house. No. I need an angel named Jerry. What you talking about? What is that? Making up stuff. (laughs) I love how Manoah, you remember when the angel of the Lord comes to visit and says to him, you shall have, there's going to be a child. I think it was Manoah. Remember he asked, what is your name? And what does the angel say? You wouldn't understand it. (laughs) Now, how come we only have five angels in scripture show up, only two give their names? Only two angels in the history of the Bible give their names. But every believer now got an angel telling you that name when they walk through. What you talking about? And how come every name you get sounds like your cousin? Making up garbage. Garbage. God who is a God of a nation that he starts and a language he gives them Hebrew he births out and he's gonna name people stuff that you got your cousin's name from (laughs) let me get back to this before I say some stuff I can't take back (laughs) we get confused because we're listening to people who didn't listen to God so the principle matters so God says I'm not going to explain to you What I've already told you works. So when the Lord says, humble yourself, he says, I don't have to explain what humility is. You know what humble means. So when trouble comes and we fight against the process, God says, I'm going to leave you in the battle of frustration. Because you know how to humble yourself. You just don't want to. Lord, get me out of this poverty. Break me out of this, the Lord says. The key to exiting poverty is sowing your way into prosperity. So I have to leave you where you are, not because I don't love you, because you chose to act like you don't understand me. Because the principle is uncomfortable. Ah, Every principle demands a process. Once you understand the principle, you have to engage in the process. Now, the process will always be opposite your natural thinking. The human mind of man has been designed to exalt itself. So your brain will always fight God's process because you think you know how to deliver you. (laughs) Is this helping anybody? See, the Bible says the natural mind is always at enmity with God. In other words, your brain will fight God's process until the day you die. That's why you have to let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. So you have to transfer your brain and take his brain because your thoughts will always lead you into another battle. And his thoughts will bring you into a place of peace. So if you're a believer and you're always in the midst of fighting something, fighting people, arguing your way through, trying to conquer something else. I got 10 devils in my house. My kids have a spirit on them. My husband is listening to the devil. I turn the TV on and something jumped out. It's not the devil. It's you. Because the Bible says if you take on his mind, you can live in his peace. For whosoever's mind is stayed on you, you will keep him in perfect peace. Ah, so if I make this connect to him, he keeps me in a circle of peace. You live wherever your mind settles. Woo! So the kingdom says these principles open greater territory. These principles invite you on a process of dominion. These principles give you access to the kingdom of heaven. These principles give you access to the power of God. So the key to greater dominion, greater authority, living in peace is will you agree to his principle? So how does God grow us? He'll let you get in the middle of a storm. Ooh. The storm begins. You're asking God, how long will this go on? And the Lord goes, I don't know. (laughs) How long do you want to be in it? (laughs) Lord, I've been in this storm for two years, five years, ten years. And the Lord says, I know I'm tired too. (laughs) I got angels taking coffee breaks. You don't want him out. So, the length of the storm is often connected to your willingness to let go of your strategy. When you are willing to let your human strategy die and God's wisdom take over, that's when you have submitted to his principle. Ah. Uh. See, it wasn't being in prison. That crippled Joseph. I heard someone preach the other day. Um, a television. I turned the television on. Every now and then I leave my TV on Christian television by mistake. I don't mean to, but sometimes it just, it used to be one of my faves and I hadn't figured out how to take it out. Some of y'all got that slow. You just... I watch the news and I watch sports most of the time. And I I love old movies because I used to always keep it on Christian television. And then I found out that most of them don't talk about Jesus anymore. We're politicians with pulpits now. Ah, 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 Lying on Jesus and mad at the world. We're saying stuff that God never said about people he wasn't mad at about issues he never brought up. Six of the 10 things people argue about politically, Jesus never mentioned. That's another teaching for another day. It's the power of percentages. Never focus on something more than Jesus did. That's how division is born. In the principles of God, God will set your attention. So I turned on the television and I hear a man of God who I love. He was saying something good. And in the middle of him talking, he just stopped and he said, the biggest problem Joseph had was he told his dream to his brothers. And I've heard that said a thousand times. The only problem is God never said that. The human mind will create a scenario to justify the warfare. We find someone to blame for our condition. So everybody says Joseph shouldn't have told his brothers. That's not true. How else would he have gotten into Egypt? For I was put here for the saving of our house. That our family might be Delivered in the time of famine. So, no prison, no palace. Ah. So, the principle is God says, I'm not after your comfort. I, the king, might put you in prison without an explanation without an apology i might let you go into the worst season of your life but if you trust my principle he worked in excellence he operated with skill he stayed humble he worked the principle he was better than those around him he prayed for those that mishandled him work the principle god said the man that works the principle gets access to the power so while he was in prison he was being elevated. While he was lied on, he was being elevated. While they criticized him, he was being elevated because power follows principles. We have to stop looking for someone to blame because hard seasons have become our enemies. When a hard season should be your friend, He's purifying me. He's revealing my soul. He's delivering me from things I didn't know were inside me. This season I don't like is revealing to me there's a greater level of grace in God than I ever knew before. This season is causing me to trust his voice in ways I couldn't hear him. I wouldn't ever want it again. I'd never make it for myself, but I can trust that he's with me in the valley of the shadow of death. He's got me covered. So I'm going to trust the principle to produce power. If I could sing when the sun was shining, I can sing when the flood comes. Work the principle. Don't look for someone to blame. Don't charge God as being unrighteous. Don't suddenly get upset and bitter in your spirit just because things have gotten hard. If he was good yesterday, he's still good today. If he was carrying you when the floodwaters were around your feet, he's carrying you when the lightning is flashing around your head. If he held you in the middle of his hand on the days when you could hear his voice, he's holding you when he's silent. Don't forget the principle is what matters. So God says, all I'm waiting to see is can you trust me? If you got to cry all night, trust me. If you don't know what's coming next, trust me. If all the money is there, trust me. If the money disappears, trust me. If people stand with you, trust me. If everybody leaves, trust me. It's not about them. I'm testing to see if you can trust the principle. Because there's a level of power that he grants to those that move in the principle. Oh, the principle. The principle can only produce power for those that survive process. I hope this is helping somebody. Now, in the kingdom of God, process is the most uncomfortable thing in the world. It's just downright awful. It's awful. It's awful. Have you ever noticed that if you could write your own story, there are chapters you never would have included? (laughs) There are storms I never would have gone through. There's people I never would have been friends with who later tried to kill me and my destiny. But God let you walk out your story knowing that trouble was waiting on the other side. And God says, I didn't do this against you. I did it for you. There are some levels of glory I needed to unlock in you, but I couldn't until you survived the process. Survive the process. Survive, survive. The first key is you just have to survive. I know that's simple, it doesn't sound so deep. I know we're going to get to all the high and the shy and the ooh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll get to all that in a minute. We got enough Holy Ghost stuff to flow It. We're going to get there. But right now, would you just say that with me? I survived. Uh, I survived. You made it through what broke others. You survived what could have crippled you. You're still in your right mind. You're still talking right. You're still thanking God. You're still praising God. You woke up this morning saying, I'm going to the house of God. You survived. There's other people that just lost their mind, lost their way, gave up on God, decided they would never serve God again, but you're still in the house of God with the company of the saints. You don't have to be running and jumping and speaking in tongues and prophesying. Sometimes surviving is enough for today. Let's get all that weight off your shoulders. You don't have nothing to prove. You don't need to be on Instagram every 15 minutes giving a fresh word. You ain't got to be on Facebook getting somebody healed at the gas station. Sometimes your victory is sit your behind down and just think about, I'm here. I survived. That's good enough. Ron, I had a season where people would ask me, you know, what are you doing in ministry? I said, nothing. Yeah. <laughs> I'm here. That's good enough. I'm here. <laughs> Deliver yourself from the need to impress people. Because the principle has nothing to do with people. The principle is about heaven. Heaven has principles. People have expectations. Deliver yourself from the expectations of man. For it shall become a trap to you, a snare. It's a noose around your neck. It's a bear trap to your foot. It's a pit for your life. It'll hold on to you and you never escape it. Because every time you go to obey God, you're thinking about what will the people say. The people, the people, the people. Your mama, your mama been crazy since she was born. Why are you trying to impress her? Your daddy, your daddy don't like nobody including himself. Why are you trying to impress him? Well, my grandmama, you know your grandmama died and she barely knew Jesus. So what you talking about? <laughs> ah, we rewrite people's history. I got folk I know going to hell. They in hell. They ain't in heaven. I ain't praying them in the heaven. They in hell. <laughs> Some of y'all trying to figure that out. You got family members burning too. Get over it. So what happens? <laughs> ah, ah. See, we get into church and religion takes over because we've got to figure out how to make everybody sound like flowers. Some made it, some didn't, but that don't affect me. You got to walk with God. So you obey the principle. Stop crying over who's not here. I got to walk with God. It's my walk. I hope they made it, but if they didn't, I'm going to see him for myself. It's the principle. What have you decided to do with God today? Today. The first step is just survive. Just survive. What does surviving look like? In the kingdom of God, part of surviving... I'm almost done. We good for about 10 more minutes, about 10, 15 more minutes. Okay. The first key to surviving is you must remember that in the kingdom of God... He that becomes like a little child. ah, That's why we started with this. So the first thing about a little child, a little child does not have a history. Become like a little child. When you say to a little child, I was seven years old before I knew that my grandmother had a name. How many of you remember that? You called your grandma, grandma or... Nana or Mama or whatever. And so then somebody asks you, what's their name? (laughs) Grandma. (laughs) No, what's her actual name? And I got mad. Her name is Grandma. (laughs) (laughs) Children don't have a history of knowledge. They have a history of emotion. I know this one treats me right and this one mistreats me. That's all I know. I don't know what street they're on. I don't know if they have money in the bank. I don't know if they're good to people. I don't know the history of their work. I don't know. All I know is I trust this one and I don't trust this one. Children are built on emotion. Ah, He says, become as a little child. What does that mean? Trust me with your heart. Trust me with your heart. To become as a little child, Jesus is saying, if you become as a little child, if you humble yourself, get rid of the history of offenses. Get rid of the list of expectations. Get rid of all the successes and the failures that you want to bring to the altar. All of that has to disappear. And just trust me with your heart. Trust that I'll be good to you. Trust that there's enough mercy for today. Trust that my mercy is new this morning. Trust that if you come to me, I won't throw you out. Trust that if you run to me, I'll catch you. Trust that if you sit in my arms, I'll hold you. Trust me. Trust me with your heart. Except you become as a little child. Throw away that history. Every day that I come to God, I don't tell him about everything before. It's a new day. I have no expectation that today he has to prove to me that yesterday was worth it. Because if I survived yesterday, that's proof enough. So can you live your life with an eraser in your hand? Can you live your life with an eraser in your hand? And every morning that you wake up, clear the blackboard. Whatever was good yesterday, I give you praise. Whatever was bad yesterday, I survived it. But today is a brand new day. Peace comes when you stop holding on to history. Get an eraser in your hand. Would you just do that with me for a moment? Just just symbolically as a sign. Just, God, I give you all of my past. Everything I've been holding on to. And I just let it go. How sweet will your time be with God if you stop reminding him of all the things you thought he should have fixed by now? How much more would you appreciate the Holy Spirit If you stop holding him hostage to old expectations. How easily could you flow in the prophetic that God has called you to walk in. If you stop assessing all your old prophetic words in the face of his now voice. Erase your yesterdays. Paul said this one thing I do forgetting. Those things which are behind clean slate. I press. Live with an eraser in your hand. Survive. Clean the slate. A little child. Second thing about a little child is a little child loves nothing more than holding on to your face. I remember being a little little kid, and I remember I used to love to sit with my grandmother. Oh, she was wonderful, and I loved sitting with the older ones. I would learn from them. I'd listen to them, but I had forgotten until I saw pictures of me being a kid that little kids love to look in your face. Even some of the babies that you see around the room as their mothers are holding them, children love nothing more than when you begin to talk to them, they look up in your face. Because as they're learning voice, they see mouth moving and they're watching how your mouth moves. And then they love to watch your eyes as your eyes are looking at them. And they begin to mimic your patterns because you become what you behold. You can't become like Jesus till you sit and look at his face sometimes. Worship is God's opportunity for you to grab his face. Become like a little child. Worship is not where we show our best talent, our greatest gifting. Worship is not where we sing ourselves into the place of feeling like we move the crowd. Worship is where we who are called to know him take time publicly together to grab Papa's face. And he'll let you hold on to him as long as you want to. This morning's worship was so rich, so good, so good. I love those divine moments. As as you were getting up to take us into the offering, I always say the reason it's so difficult to transition is because half the room was still holding his face. (laughs) Those difficult transition moments, it means somebody in the room is saying, I'm not letting you go. It took me all week to get into a place where I could get a hold of you. I'm not letting you go. I don't care what's going on. I don't care what I just, I'm going to hold on to you. I need your face today. Intimacy, intimacy, intimacy. I'm looking into him, eyes to eyes, breath to breath, face to face. I'm seeing him. Papa, I got you now. I'm not going to let you go. I'm going to hold on to you. You've been good to me. I'm going to hold you right here. I've let go of the distractions. I've let go of the noise. I've become like a little child. I was looking at the mountains I have to conquer and the valleys I have to go through. I was looking at the doctor's report five minutes ago, and I'm looking at the bills I've got to pay. But in this moment, all I can see is you. And I've got your face now. Papa, talk to me. I'm going to hold you right here. Would you talk to? Nothing else matters. Would you talk to me? You don't have to talk. Just breathe. As you breathe out, I'll breathe in. Life out of you is life into me. Can I just sit here while you breathe on me? Can I just sit here while my ear learns the rhythm of your heart? For John laid his head upon the chest of Jesus. And whatever you listen to begins to correlate what's going in your brain. And I heard his heart beat long enough until my brain begins to move at the rhythm of his heart. And now his heart has changed my thoughts. Can I sit here a while? When is the last time you sat with him and forgot the world? When is the last time you turned off the phone? I don't say anymore, told the kids not to bother you. When's the last time you took your kids with you, sat them beside you, and said, Mama and Daddy going to worship until you hear God talk to you? Oh, catch his face. We've created something magnificent that God doesn't recognize. We built great gatherings all over the world of people coming together to say they are loving God. And nowhere in there do they catch his face. Catch his face. Kiss the son. Kiss the son. When's the last time you kissed him? We did this morning. When's the last time you kissed him? What does that mean? Psalm 2, kiss the son. Lest he be angry and you perish in the way when his wrath is kindled but a little. It literally means that when you are kissing him, it's worship. When you are kissing the face of Jesus, he steals his hand and releases mercy. You can worship God to such a degree that what should have happened wrong in your city just can't happen. Ha ha! Woo! Where are those that love him? Where are those that wake up at three in the morning and just worship him? Where are those that get up and tell him he's worthy when nobody else is around? Where are those who two o'clock in the morning, you're sitting on the edge of your bed with tears flowing down saying, God, it's me and you. And that's enough. (laughs) Kiss the son lest he be angry. Oh, my goodness. I'm trying to go further. I'm just camping here. I hope this is all right. In the Song of Solomon, it says something amazing. It says, I charge you, O daughters, by the hinds and by the rose. I live by this passage. I teach on this all the time. Wake him not till he pleases. I charge you, O daughters, by the hinds and by the rose. Wake him not till he pleases. Four different times, but in three different sections, it says, Do not wake him till he pleases. What does it mean? Don't invite God into the room. Don't wake him up. And then let him show up and not give him what he wants. He says, I charge you by the hinds and by the rose. Do not wake him up. Because if you wake him up, he wants something. Real glorious encounters. Are not when we get God to come into the room. That's the start. The glory falls when he gets into the room. And then you abandon yourself. When he comes into the room. When we abandon ourselves. Don't wake him up. Don't get him in the room. Don't bring him close. Don't pretend like you're going to kiss him and then he gets in the room and we turn our back he says if i come in the room you got me here you got my attention let me do something i was in the philippines you probably heard this before but we were in the philippines and we were having a glorious time in worship We had been teaching on, I was one of our trips. We teach on something different every time. And this time we were teaching on prophetic worship. Seven cities, 23 days of nonstop travel. We were going nonstop and we got into one place and where we were there with, I was traveling with Pastor June Inguera and mighty man of God from the Philippines who's now gone home to be with the Lord. He died in the midst of COVID. We were traveling together. We had a worship team we were taking with us. We got to one place, and in the midst of the worship, we had to meet in a school because every church around the area was too small to hold all of the people who were showing up. And so we're in the midst of worship. And the school was in the middle of renovation where we could meet. So the stage was covered, but because they were replacing the roof, there was a huge hole in the roof. And we're worshiping. The people have packed out all of the chairs behind us and on this side the benches go up and there's teenagers filling up the benches on both sides and then all of these young people are standing worshiping in front of us and the power of God begins to fall. we would gotten into the middle of just worshiping him and while we're worshiping, it begins to rain and it begins to rain and it's raining. Now, remember, there's a hole. In the roof. So it's raining in the building. And it's raining nonstop. And I'm watching all of the kids. I'm watching all the kids in front of us. Getting soaked with rain. And for an hour and a half. Because we had been there another already for 90 minutes. So three hours altogether. But for an hour and a half. In pouring rain. The kids never took their hands down. It's raining so hard, the rain is falling onto their faces and they've got their heads up and I'm thinking they're going to drown while they're singing. Because their heads are up, the rain's going into their noses, it's falling into their mouths and they keep worshiping. I said to one of the kids later on, I said, how did you worship through all the rain? This is what little boy said to me. He said, I didn't realize it was raining. (laughs) He said, I felt like somebody was holding me. And I didn't want to lose it. Uh, He had kissed the son. He had caught the face of the father. There is a place where God says to us, the principle of heaven takes over where you will encounter him in a supernatural place that pulls you out of your intellect. Past your emotion, past your memories, you come into a place where the divine nature of God begins to overwhelm you, surround you, and then he begins to transform you. And those kids in the middle of a thunderstorm didn't know it was raining. While they're playing the keyboard, the keyboard started to explode because it's raining on the electrical equipment. Ah! What do you do when the keyboardist is playing and you start to hear, Ow! <laughs> ah! <laughs> she was getting shocked. The keyboard, and it goes out. So now, think of this. Now we've lost all the Musicians. But the kids never stop singing. We've got no worship leader, but the kids never stop singing. The power went out, but the kids never stop singing. Become as a little child who is undistracted by the noise around them. One other thing about a little child, children are singular. What do I mean by that? If you tell your child before they go to bed, tomorrow, we're going to Disney. They don't care if they wake up and there has been a nuclear war, an earthquake, a tidal wave, and somehow monkeypox done broke out. (laughs) We got diseases now. I don't even understand. (laughs) And that child will say to you, now, you told me we're going to Disney. Baby, we got four massive apocalyptic events. I don't care. I want to see the mouse. (laughs) Singular. What has happened is that in the midst of our weariness, we have forgotten how to be singular. God said to you, I'm going to bless you. And we've let the noise of the world and the economy, the stock market, political arguments, the foolishness of men. And we go, oh, God, how am I going to survive this? My word didn't change. I just need you to believe I'm going to keep my word. That's all. Stay focused on my face. And remember, I don't lie to my children. So hold on to my word. The Lord spoke to me years ago and said, before you're 30 years old, I was 28 at the time. Before you're 30 years old, he said, I'm going to have you in three different nations. I had never left America. Hadn't been to Mexico, hadn't been to Canada. Had been nowhere. The Lord said, I'm going to take you to three different countries before you turn 30. I said, how? I was working a job, barely knew anyone. He said, I'm going to do it. Do you believe me? He said, and then you will travel the rest of your life. I said, how? This is what the Lord said. The facts don't matter. I just need to know, can you trust your father's words? I said, Lord, I trust you. I'm sitting one day in the middle of a prayer meeting, and a friend of mine comes in, and he says, Michael, I, I think you're supposed to quit your job. I said, no, 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 no. <laughs> nay, nay, mon frie. I said, the Lord needs to show me how this is going to work. I got bills to pay. I, I need to eat. I like to eat. I said, I expect to stay fed the rest of my life. I, I believe that fasting is in the Bible, but it's not in mine. And so, ah, <laughs> 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 I like food. I like food. Food, my friend. I'm going to name my first child French and the second one fry. And so, (laughs) that's better than biscuit and gravy. That was my first choice. And so, the Lord spoke to him and he said, no, I think you're supposed to quit your job. I said, no, it's not going to happen. Not going to happen. I need to know what God is going to do. So, I went into work the next week. And they fired me. (laughs) Said to me, we no longer need you. Then as I went home and said, Lord, what happened? He said, if you're not going to step, I'm going to push you. When I said, Lord, I agree with your will. I got a phone call an hour later and they said, we've made a mistake. We need you back. The job. We've made a mistake. We need you back. So now I have to choose. See, it's easy to obey God when he takes away your choices. But what will you do when God gives you opportunity and you have to choose to say no? The test of maturity is denying what is good for you. So that you can wait for what God says you need. Oh, we're not ready. Can God offer you what you wanted? Let me finish the statement, sister. Can God offer you what you wanted through one door? And he knows it's not for you. And then give you exactly what you need through another. See, the key is you have to discern what is God, not what's good for you. What fits my destiny in God. So I said, Lord, I hear you. So I didn't go back to the job. I said, I'm not coming back. I'm going to trust God. Five days later, I'm in another prayer meeting. The same brother walks in and he says, brother, the Lord told me to buy you this. Paris, he handed me a round the world ticket. It was a round the world ticket. Back then, you had to go to the travel agent and get them printed out. So I'm flipping through all these pages. I said, What is this? He said, Seven stops in seven countries. And I got on the plane, not knowing anyone in any country. You hear me? The principle. The principle is if I trust God, I stop asking questions eventually. If I obey him, that means I'm a servant. If he says servant, get on the plane, servant, stop asking questions. I learned this not out of a book. I learned this not going to a conference. I learned this some things you don't learn till you serve. I got on a plane and... Left America. The traveling was going to take, that first trip, it was going to take 49 days before I came back. 49 days with no money. (laughs) He bought a ticket, but I had no money because now I got no job. I leave America, I'm taking off. Some of you have heard the story of the first mission trip. This ain't the mission trip. This is now traveling. I get to Brazil. Brazil. First stop on the Brazil. I was so ignorant back then, I thought people in Brazil spoke Spanish. So I got off the plane talking Spanish, and everybody's looking at me going, no, that's wrong country, brother. Portuguese here. (laughs) <laughs> oh, yes. I get to the hotel. You've heard this story, but I have to tell it. I get to the hotel and I'm eating as much food as I can eat. I thought I need to fill up all the pockets. It might be a while before I eat again because I've got six more nights here. In a place I know no one. In a country where I have no connections. But the principle is servants obey. Obey. What their master says. Ah, so I'm here in Brazil. I don't know anyone. I'm in the hotel that's closest to the airport, and I'm just praying, God, what have I done? I'm eating breakfast. It's the only meal that came with the room. (laughs) I had enough breakfast stacked up on three plates that the waiter walked by, he said, sir, is anyone else coming? I said, mind your business, son. Mind your business, You don't want to start that conversation. Just going, oh, it ain't going to end well for you, bud. He comes back by. I've got another set of plates. And he's like, walk on by, son. And he comes by and he asks this question. He says, where are you from? And I was so frustrated with God, so upset in my spirit, so angry that I thought God has abandoned me. I obeyed him and he set me up. Got nowhere to sleep, no money for a hotel room, no more money for food, and I've got to do this. I've got to survive in this country, make it back to the airport to fly to another country because nobody had cell phones back then. So I can't even call anybody to get me home. The process will never be comfortable. but you'll never reach your destiny till you walk it all the way through. I said, I'm from California. He said, oh, and he said, and what do you do? I said, he said, no, what do you do? Who are you? I said, and I don't know why it came out. Back then, we didn't even use this language. I said, I'm a prophet of God. He said, yes. I thought, at least one of us is happy. He says, when I am leaving work, be ready. You're going with me. Oh, what? 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 I'm going with you. You're going with me. I thought, okay, I'm going to be killed. That's what I'm going. So in my mind, for the next couple of hours, after I ate all the eggs and toast and food they had, I'm sitting down I'm full, I'm miserable, I done ate so much, I can't even hear God now, and I'm just leaning it. <laughs> and now I think I'm going to be murdered. <laughs> and I'm waiting. He comes by, I've got my luggage all ready to go because I had to leave the room, and he says, let's go. I said, where are we going? Just come, 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 come. Because he didn't speak much English. So I'm getting in the car with him. And this man is driving. I don't know who the man is. And the man says, oh, him. Yes. And they're talking to each other. And I'm thinking, oh, Jesus. (laughs) They're trying to figure out where to bury me in. So (laughs) as we go, they begin to tell me. For three months ago, we went prayer. While we were in prayer, there was a prophetic word, and the prophetic word came, and our pastor said to me, there will come a bald-headed black prophet from America. He will be from California. He will be in your hotel. He will eat, and you will serve him. So look for him. So for three months, they asked everybody, bald-headed and black, where you from? What do you do? And when I said yes, and when I said I'm a prophet, he said, you're the one. So they grabbed me and took me, and we go to this little place, and they open up the gates, and we go in, and there's kids everywhere. I'm going, what am I doing here? They had been pulling kids off the streets who had been used for prostitution. And he said, you're here to preach to them. You're going to tell them who they really are. For the Lord said he would send a prophet who would tell them their destiny. So I stayed inside that little place and preached to kids nonstop for six days. They took me back to the airport, and I said, oh, God, thank you. He said, this is the life of fulfillment. And it was place after place after place. When I finally got to Kenya, I was walking out of the airport. Didn't know anyone, and a man came up to me and grabbed my bag, and you know when you're in Africa, you got to fight them for your bag because if they get that bag, they expect you to pay them back for taking your stuff. <laughs> and I feel like I'm in a ninja movie. I'm like, oh, not let my bag go, man. I do, oh. <laughs> He grabbed my bag. He said, no, you come with me. I said, what? He said, I've been here since 4 in the morning. Nobody knew I was coming. He had a dream. At 11 o'clock, God woke him up, said, drive to the airport. This is the face of the man that's coming. When he lands, bring him with you and he will preach. He drove me for hours. and We saw the glory of God. Why am I saying that? If you walk out the process. Don't shortchange your destiny. Don't give up the miraculous intervention of God because you let go of his face, because you forgot his goodness, because you got distracted by the noise, because you let the history of your trauma be louder than the prophecy of your future. What God has spoken, he shall bring to pass. He will keep his word. He will will honor his word. He will do what he promised. Just don't stop. Don't give up. Don't doubt him now. You've been through too much. You survived too much. If you're still here, why not believe God? Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not unto thine own understanding. And in all thy ways acknowledge him and he will direct your path. He'll put one foot in front of another until you wake up in the place you were always meant to be. But you've got to get past your own brain. Your mind ain't your friend. If it was, you'd already be living in the place you dreamed of. But his word is your friend. And he will lead you. He will guide you. He will take you there if you trust him. If you trust him. I hope this helps somebody this morning. I I've come into this place this season where I used to always look for a word that would wow the crowd. Now I want a word that helps the crowd. The word is supposed to help us become like Jesus to reach our destiny to reach that which he has called us to be in the earth and to build good lives. All of your learning means nothing if your learning did not bring you to the simplicity of submitting to Jesus, to looking like Christ, to being better members of society, to simply loving each other better. I have one great prayer. God, when I see you, I want to hear you say, well done. That's it. Keep your life in that place. A few things I just want to release. Oh, God is good. There's so much that God is doing in this hour that we have to keep ourselves from being distracted. I want to say to, because this is such a prophetic and apostolic house, to those who have been walking in the prophetic for a long time, I want to say to you, this is the hour where you have to sift the voices you listen to. Sift the voices. In the next couple of years, there is coming a great shaking, not in a bad way, in a great way, a great shaking where God is raising up new voices, new hands of power and new ministries that will look just like him. And as he does this, he is going to sift our hearts. What does that mean? Don't get stuck in an old mindset. God is bringing new ways of reaching the generations around us. Now, not new theology. New ministry does not mean new message. God is helping us reach every generation in a fresh way. But when you change your theology to meet the generation, you have given birth to heresy. Theology didn't change. Just the way in which we reach people. So as we're reaching these next generations, the Lord is saying to us, sift what you're hearing. Why? Why? The quickest way to get bad doctrine in your head is to have a favorite preacher. I know this seems like another message. It's not. When you put someone's voice above the voice of the Holy Spirit. When you decide someone else's influence is greater in your life than the influence of Jesus from the word of God, you have created an idol that you will follow until you fall off a cliff. No one's voice is greater than the voice of the spirit of God. No one's word is greater than the word of God himself. And when somebody else disagrees with what scripture denotes to be truth, you make sure you understand they are lying to you. hold on to his face. The prophetic right now is being disjointed and distracted because we picked favorite prophets above one voice. Every prophet that speaks has to speak with one voice. You might have a thousand perspectives, but there is only one voice. So when every prophetic voice sounds different, something is wrong. There is an infection that has crept up into the hearts of people right now because we decided what we don't like. And we prophesied based on preference. But Jesus says, if you would be great, humble yourself as a little child. What does that mean? Every person in the kingdom is still a child. Every prophet must stay humble. Every apostle must stay humble. Every leader must stay humble. Stay as a child. What does that mean? Children listen to Papa. Papa doesn't beat up on his other kids. Papa doesn't throw people away. Papa doesn't wake up one morning saying this nation is going to hell. Papa didn't say that. Papa didn't say that America was going down and we have to save it from itself. Papa never said that. That's not Papa's language. Papa didn't decide that the Republicans are good or evil and the Democrats are good or evil. Papa didn't say that. Papa didn't decide that because somebody is white or black or brown that they were better than somebody else. Papa didn't say that. Papa didn't justify one prophet other, over another because they have more followers. Papa didn't say that. You got to hold on to Papa's face or you'll let other voices get you looking in the wrong direction. What did Papa say? Jesus died for everybody. He loves everybody. It's not my will that he should perish. Come back to what Papa said. Get your hands back on his face. Keep your singular focus remember the kingdom is for everybody the cross is for all that will turn to it the blood was shed for everyone so if we're going to see the glorious move of god you've got to get your attention back where god is i was sharing something like this in a church and one of the men stood up and said i don't like what you're saying i said i don't care i got two things working for me i'm holy ghost feeling i'm black i don't give a rip I really don't care. And if I make you mad, I meant to do it on purpose. Because some of us have honestly convinced ourselves that our attitude about a thing is greater than God's word about a thing. Your attitude does not move the throne. We don't get to manipulate God by throwing a tantrum. We don't get to decide that because politically or culturally or emotionally or nationally, we lean in a certain direction that we can decide to destroy the house of God by dividing saints from saints. That is unholy and unrighteous. Get your hands back on his face. Remember the same mercy he gave you, he gives to all mankind. Quiet your heart. Before you open your mouth, make sure your ear is open. Speak what he says, not what they say. Lean into his chest so that you can lean the nation into his heart. And if we return to him, he'll bring them back to himself. It's so much easier than we've made it. Grab his face again. Would you do something real simple, and then I'm going to hand, hand the mic back. Now, make sure the person beside you likes you. So would you just turn and look at somebody and say, do you like me? Do you like me? Are we good? Okay. <laughs> Some of y'all ain't sure. You didn't get the right answer back. You didn't get the right answer. Now, if you came with certain people, because I know we got COVID and everything, people still nervous and all that stuff. Okay. But if you came with certain people or you at least know them, I want you, if you feel comfortable, just put your hand on their face. Mm
1: -hmm.
2: Mm -hmm. Especially you couples. Y'all know y'all were touching before you got in here. (laughs) All right. That's good. Now, would you do one more thing while you're touching their face? Would you just look them in the eye? That simple act of connection is what the Lord is saying to each one of us. Don't lose that. Don't lose that. Every day when you're spending time with the Lord, just stay there until you know you see him and he's already seen you. The simplicity of being seen Is what makes a child confident. Children who don't believe they're seen will not run and jump in daddy's lap. If they think they're going to be thrown away, told to sit down, told they're too loud, too noisy, unwanted, they don't run to papa. But the ones that feel seen, they run. I say to some of us, the only reason we're still fighting and arguing about stuff is because we feel unseen. And so we're looking for opportunities to be heard and seen because it validates us. But if you would return to the place of being seen by God. Your identity is validated. And you no longer have to fight everybody else. You do what he tells you to do with a good heart. And then you sit with him. And you trust him. I don't need to fight anybody. You can't take what's mine. I can 't take what 's yours Amen. i don 't need to prove anything to anybody. Nobody called me but God. before him alone must I stand. i don 't have to find out if everybody loves me. I love me myself. I think I am awesome. I write myself notes. I text myself. You think I 'm kidding. There's an app where you can set up text to drop on your phone. I've set up on my own phone every now and then. I'll get a text and it just says, you look good, brother. And I'm like, yeah. I just, yeah I it's a sad dog that won't wag his own tail. You've got to learn how to celebrate what God has done in you. Or you'll be a hostage to other men's praise. Keep his face right before you. Keep his face. Oh my goodness! All right, I'm gonna stop there because I was about to enter into a whole page of prophetic words, and we're gonna stop there. We're gonna release a lot of that tonight because I know there's food coming, and so I, I feel like hey hey, this is this is one of the few churches where y'all notice. I stop and I just hand the mic back. I'm like, you know, we gonna eat other places. I just prophesy all day because they ain't got no food. They ain't they ain't got no food. They ain't. Oh, I've been there, and they can't cook, so we might as well do ministry because, Lord Jesus. <laughs> I went to a church not long ago, Ryan, and they fed me at the end of service, and they were like, what do you think? I said, I think the Lord is good. <laughs> she said, about the food. I said, move on, mama, move on, move on. I don't know how to lie, so I just, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you should let that chicken live because he died in vain. <laughs> That thing cries from the ground, that sucker right there. Woo, Ezekiel's bone. That bird was like, I'm going to get you if I get one more breath. Just, ooh, Lord, have mercy. Just, Ha, ha, ha. Some of y'all trying to figure out, if this, this will be yes. Because the nation has been in such a place of controversy that joy has to be in the house of God. We have to laugh together here so that that doesn't overwhelm us. All right. Put your hand on your neighbor. Father, we thank you this morning for your word. We thank you for your spirit. And now together we simply declare, I am part of your family. I am your child sitting in your lap, accepted by your presence, Acknowledged by your voice. And I bless my brother and my sister. I speak over them that they are accepted, they are chosen, they are beloved, they are first in your mind. They have a portion and an inheritance. I declare over their families' life, over their finances' increase, over their futures' no limits. I declare over their bodies healing and health, long life and freedom. And we declare most of all, may the love of God extend, explode, and increase in their hearts, their minds, and their lives. And may they walk free of condemnation and as servants of the Lord until they hear you say, well done, good and faithful servant, enter into the joy of the Lord. So we pray in Jesus' name, amen.